You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. We're continuing on this morning in this series as we've been looking at stories Jesus told, parables that Jesus told, and and how they can connect and apply to our lives today. And this morning, we're going to talk about something that we all want, that we all need, that we're all desperate for. Matter of fact, in my assessment, we are in trouble. We're in trouble without it. But it's also something that we often struggle to live out or give to others. Any guesses on the topic of conversation today? Forgiveness. Thank you. Someone, did you come last service? Uh, watch online. Uh, we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're all desperate for the forgiveness that God gives, but oftentimes one of the things I've discovered is we're not so good or so quick to forgive others. We can get hung up in the pain. Oftentimes that becomes the reality. We get hung up in the injury, the hurt, the offense. Uh, and it's difficult for us to move beyond that. And one of the things I've discovered being in pastoral ministry now for, for 30 years, I started when I was eight. Um, one of the things I've discovered about people is they can get stuck in this place of unforgiveness. They get stuck trying to hold on to something that they need to let go of. Um, and in that, then they set themselves up for trouble. So Jesus is kind of telling us this story to kind of help us process this whole concept of forgiveness. As we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question that's going to require a bit, a bit of reflection. So think with me for a moment. Engage your brain. What is the worst thing that you've ever done in your life? If you were to narrow it down like to, this is the big one. This is the thing that I most regret. This is the thing, if I could kind of turn back time, I would, I would undo this thing. Even those watching online, what is that thing, that one thing? As you think about that issue, whatever it is that's quickly come to your mind, here's a follow-up question. How has God responded to your failure, to your sin, to your great blunder? According to Scripture, according to the Bible, if you've repented, if you've sought forgiveness, then you are, get this, you are totally, completely forgiven. Isn't that amazing news? That's something to shout about this morning. What you are completely, you're completely forgiven. There was no penance necessary. There was there was no work to earn that forgiveness. There was there was like no begging necessary. God simply gave you mercy and grace, get this, because you asked for it. It's that simple. You asked for it, and you were given what? You were given mercy and grace. So let me ask you another question. I'm going to turn the tables a bit. What's the worst thing that's ever been done to you? The worst point of injury, the worst point of, of offense. See, not only do we live in a fallen world, but we're processing life with fallen people like us, people who don't always get things right. And in the midst of that, what happens? People hurt us. They, they wound us. They take advantage of us. So in the midst of all of that, what's been your greatest hurt? For those watching online, just type that into the chat line. What's your greatest hurt? And in the midst of that hurt, in the midst of that pain, have you responded to those who offended you, to those who injured you, to those who hurt you? Whatever, 
whatever that was. See, at times, at times it can be difficult to move beyond the injury. You know, mercy is one of those things that's much easier to talk about than it is to live out. You agree with that? Much easier to get a concept around than it is actually for us to work it into our lives. But if Christianity is, is about anything, it's about forgiveness. As those who've been forgiven, we're called to what? Live out, to live out forgiveness. A great illustration of this comes out of the Armenian genocide. The year was 1915 and 1917. During this horrible time, one and a half million Armenians were murdered by the Ottoman Turks. And millions more were raped, brutalized, and forcibly deported. From the Armenian genocide comes an amazing story, true story of a Turkish army officer who led the raid upon an on, on an Armenian family's home, and in the midst of leading this raid on this home, the parents were murdered, and all the daughters were raped, and then they were given to officers of the Turkish army. And it was this officer uh, who led the raid that actually kept the oldest girl for himself. Eventually, this girl was, was able to escape and later trained to become a nurse. And an ironic twist of fate, she found herself working in a ward for wounded Turkish army officers. One night by the glow of a lantern, she saw among her patients the face of the man who had not only murdered her parents, but had so horribly abused her sisters and herself. And she knew that without exceptional nursing care, this man would die, and that's what this Armenian nurse gave. She gave exceptional care. As the officer began to recover, the doctor was in one day and pointed actually to that nurse and says, if it was not for this woman, sir, you wouldn't be here today. If it was not for this nurse and the care of this nurse, you would have died. And at that point, this officer made eye contact with this nurse and he asked this question, have I met you somewhere before? Do I, do I know you? And she simply responded, uh, yes, sir, we have met. After a long silence, the officer says, why didn't you kill me? Why, why did you allow me to live? And I love the response of this Armenian Christian woman. This was her response. She said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and he's called me to love my enemies, and I've chosen to forgive you. Now, living out, living out this kind of forgiveness is only possible when we realize not only how much we've been forgiven, but how then, how then we're to live out forgiveness to others. But learning how to live with a willingness to forgive can often be more challenging than we would like for it to be. It's not, in other words, it's not always easy. Depending on the situation, it can seem unnatural and unfair to forgive someone and, and not hold them accountable for their wrong. See, when someone hurts us or wrongs us, what do we want to do? We want to... We want to pay back. We want to hurt them, right? We want to do them wrong because they've, they've done us wrong. We, we want fairness. We want the wrongs to be made right. And because of this, if we're not careful, we can get stuck. We can get stuck in a place of unforgiveness. We can find ourselves weighted down with what I call excess baggage. And we're going through life with this excess baggage because we've not been willing to let go of the hurt, the injury, the offense. In our choice not to extend forgiveness, we actually imprison ourselves. In making, in making and wanting others to pay for the wrong, we actually end up creating more trouble and more pain in our lives. 
While forgiveness can be very challenging to live out as Christ followers, it's a foundational aspect of Christianity. Not only have we been forgiven, but we're called, we're directed to live out, to live out forgiveness. You know, Ephesians 4.32, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Notice the qualifier here. We're told how or in what way to forgive others. We're to forgive others how? Just as we've been forgiven. Think about that. In the same way, in the same fashion. It's this truth that Jesus is driving home the parable that we're going to look at this morning. He tells a story about radical forgiveness. And he gives us this amazing word picture of what happens when we choose not to forgive. This parable is actually given in response to a question that Peter asked Jesus. So let's pick this up in Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Then we don't, how many of you know would like to, how many of you would like to know the rest of the story? Like what did Andrew do, right? Or, or maybe it's his other brother. I don't know if he had other brothers. But obviously there's something happening here. Somebody's wrong, Peter, more than once, more than twice, and Peter's like had his feel, and he's want, he, what he's wanting to know is, is Jesus tell me when I can get him? Right? I know you would never do that, but that's what Peter's asking. Like, when is enough? Like, I've had all I can take. I can't take it no more. When can I even the score? How much is enough? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times. 77 times. And out of that, Jesus tells this story, this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sowed to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Notice verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Notice verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. In this parable, we need to ask this question, who are the players? Who are the players in this story? Well, the parable, in the parable, the king represents God. It's the king who forgives this great debt. 
the servants represent who? Us. So this morning, really important, put yourself in the story. Don't just read this story as a story that Jesus told. Actually put yourself in the story. Who are the servants? The servants are us. Servants are individuals like us who are processing life in a real world, dealing with hurts, injuries, pains, wrongs, debts. And we are in this, we're in this story. And the story is about real life. It's about what we process on a daily basis. And it comes about in response, again, to Peter's question. And we don't know exactly what he's struggling with, but it's clear that Peter's trying to figure out, like, just how far should this forgiveness thing go? And we look at Peter's question, we discover that, that Peter modeled, like, this natural tendency to perceive forgiveness as having boundaries. Limits. Like, what, what's the limits? Notice Peter asked Jesus, like, how much forgiveness is right? How many times, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Notice he answers his own question as he's seeking, like, the limits or the boundaries of forgiveness. And he says up to seven times. Now, get this, Peter would have thought this was pretty generous. I mean, like the tradition of the day, the teachers of the law would have said, you, you only have to forgive someone three times. After three times, there's no more forgiveness necessary. So Peter's thinking here, he's being pretty generous, pretty gracious, like he's doubled it plus one, right? Seven times. Like up to seven times. And notice how Jesus responds. He says, not seven times, but like 77 times, or without limit, without, without number. But Peter Peter wanted to know the boundaries. What's the boundaries of forgiveness? What's interesting is that Jesus refuses to quantify forgiveness. Instead, he declares that forgiveness is limitless. Notice again his response to Peter's question in verse 22. He says, not seven times, not times you can count, not times you can measure, but actually 77 times. In other words, we're not keeping score. We're not counting. As we have freely received God's grace and continue to live in His grace, so we are to give that grace to others. I believe that through this parable, Jesus defines forgiveness as a principle of life for all who live within His kingdom. See, to follow Jesus is to become a practitioner of radical forgiveness. Of at times what might seem like unreasonable forgiveness or reckless forgiveness or endless forgiveness or impossible forgiveness. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Just as Christ was radical in his forgiveness to us, so we're called to live out radical forgiveness to others. Now anytime we talk about this principle of forgiveness or the concept of forgiveness... It's really helpful for us to understand what forgiveness is not. And coming to understand what is forgiveness, we need to understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing or like pretending a wrong never happened. It's actually calling the wrong what it was, but choosing to let it go. So what the word forgive, if you were to check this out in the Greek, the word forgive has this connotation, has this meaning of just that, let it go. What does it mean to forgive? I'm, I'm going to let it go. But we're not pretending something never happened. Forgiveness is also not forgetting. It's not a form of like spiritual amnesia. Forgiveness requires that we're aware of what happened, yet we, we choose to extend mercy anyway. Forgiveness is choosing to surrender my right to hurt you for you hurting me. 
letting it go. But, but, but it's not just forgetting. Here's the reality. As we go through life, we get scars. Right? I mean, if, if I had time this morning, I could tell stories. I could show you scars on my body, the presentable parts of my body. Um, I could show you scars, and there's a story behind every scar. I have a big scar right here across my elbow where my uncle got me with a chainsaw. Not that we play with chainsaws in Arkansas. There's not this kind of game we play, and he got me. Not that. It was an accident, but it happened, and today I carry this scar. There's no longer pain there, but there's a scar, and every time I see the scar, I remember. I carry that scar forward, but there's no longer pain. So listen, as you go through life, you will get hurt. You will get wounded. You get, will get injured by others. Again, here's a simple, it's a simple deal, folks. You're doing life with messed up folks like you. Dysfunctional folks like you. And so it, it, it's, you're going to get hurt. So, so forgiving's not forgetting. Oftentimes we carry those scars forward. And forgiveness is, is not necessary reconciliation. It may pave the way to reconciliation, but forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two parties, not just one. And oftentimes the other party is not always willing. Therefore, reconciliation is not always possible. Reconciliation requires two, but forgiveness only requires one. And that one can be you. That one can be you choosing to, choosing to let, it, let it go. The forgiveness is the means through which you choose to extend mercy and grace so that you can get this, be free and live free. And Jesus gives us this vivid word picture of the power of forgiveness, but also important in this story is also the danger of unforgiveness. Now, the power of what happens when we forgive, but the danger when we choose not to forgive. Because see, every time, it's really important that you get this, every time that you get injured every time you get offended, every time someone takes advantage of you, takes advantage of you or wrongs you, you have a choice to make. Right? You have a choice to make. And the choice is, am I going to hold on to it or am I going to let it go? It's a choice. Am I going to hold on to it? Am I going to carry that excess baggage or am I going to let it go? And how you respond determines and shapes the life you experience. And so many folks live in bondage today, in pain today, with excess baggage today because of this issue of unforgiveness. Because they've made a choice to hold on to rather than let go. So what lessons, what lessons can we learn from this parable? Let me give you five really quick. The first is this, the servant had a debt that was exponentially greater than he could ever begin to pay. Exponentially greater. The scripture says that he he owed the master 10,000 talents. Now the disciples who would have been listening to this parable of the unforgiving servant, they would have been startled, they would have been shocked by the amount that Jesus said the servant owed the master. The actual word that Jesus uses here being a talent was equivalent to about 20 years wages for a laborer. 20 years. So do the math. 20 years labor to get a talent. So if he owed 10,000 
talents, then we're talking 200,000 years of labor. 200,000 years. Like you don't have enough life, right? To pay that kind of debt. And, and if we were to break this down into the equivalent of what would this amount be today, it's about $7 billion, with a B. $7 billion. In other words, more than, more than this man could ever pay. The debt was greater than what he had the ability to pay. And if you think about it again, put yourself in this story, because this story is about us. Listen, we were faced with the same dilemma. We were debtors to God because of our sin, and there was nothing that we could do to personally cancel that debt. Listen, we did not have the means or the solution to deal with our sin problem, to deal with our debt, to deal with our failures, to deal with our wrongs. But we were without hope. I mean, think about it. Let's just kind of bring this into some money numbers today. Think about it. If you owed someone, like if I owed Titus $7 billion, I could work my whole life and not even make a dent in the debt that I owed him. Maybe I could get to 100000 Maybe I could get to 200000 Maybe I could even get to a million, but there's no way I could get to $7 billion. If you think about it, that's the situation, again, every one of us were in. Our debt before God was so great. There's no way. There's no way we could ever get there. And without payment of the debt, this servant, this servant was destined to live his life in bondage. You know, in ancient times, in biblical times, debtors had actually their property sold, their family sold into servitude to try to recoup some of the debt. So if you were in debt to someone and couldn't pay it, then just that, you would be like all of your property auctioned off. Okay, let's try to recover some of the debt. Family sold into slavery. That was the process. But this, this issue of his debt was going to rob him of the future that was before him. And again, put yourself in this story. Air situation was exactly the same. Listen, we are the servant who owed the unpayable debt. Until Jesus settled our debt, we lived in constant bondage to the guilt and shame that sin imposes. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says we were without hope. Matter of fact, listen to how the Scripture reads. It says, remember that at that time, like before you came to Christ, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Notice this last phrase. You were without hope and without God in the world. In other words, you were up the creek without a paddle and you couldn't save yourself. That's what the Scripture's saying. Seven billion Screw-ups. Think about it. Seven billion mistakes. Seven billion failures. And that's what we're looking at here. Like we had, we had no solution. Like the servant who owed the unpayable debt, we were in trouble and bondage. And we could not, we could not save ourselves. For the servant in this story, the only way he could be released from his debt was to plead for mercy. And that's what he did. There was no other resolution. There was no other possibility. So what did he do? He sought forgiveness, forgiveness of the debt. In verse 27 says, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Or we might say it like this. 
He canceled the debt and let it go. Was it free to the king? No. No, it, it cost the king. What did he do? He, he forgave the debt. And it was not because of what the servant deserved. It was not because of what the servant earned. It was simply this. It was the kindness of the king. It was the goodness of the king. It was the king acting on behalf of the servant, doing for the servant what the servant couldn't do himself. And likewise, likewise, we were released from our debt when we acknowledged our dependence on God's mercy and the payment provided through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. I love the way the Apostle Paul summarizes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. He wrote these words. But because of his great love for us, God, get this, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, overflowing in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace. It's by grace you have been saved. So today we're forgiven. Today we're free from our past failures and blunders and mistakes. Hear me, not because we deserved it. Friends, we don't want to talk about what we deserve. But because God was gracious, because God was kind, he was merciful. But here's the critical question this morning. How will we live out that mercy and grace to others? That mercy we've received, how will we live that out in our marriages, in our families? in our workplace, in our classrooms, in our neighborhood? How will we live out? That's the critical question in this story that Jesus is driving for. He, the servant in the parable, was the recipient of, of great compassion and forgiveness for a tremendous debt, yet he failed. He failed to extend the same for a much smaller debt. As Jesus is telling this story, the story, the forgiven servant goes out a free man. I mean, you know, being a free man is a good thing. But he goes out from the king's court a free man. And what does he do? He goes and finds one of his buddies who owes him a hundred denarii. Not a small amount, not an inconsequential amount. A hundred denarii would be about, say, 20,000 20, in our current currency. And he demands payment from his buddy. It's like, give me what you owe me now, today, in this moment. And, and his buddy says, hey, I, I, I don't have it. So give me some time. Be patient with me. Give me some time, and, and, and I'll figure it out, and I'll pay you. I'll pay you what I owe you. And the servant who's just been forgiven a ton is unwilling to forgive his buddy the small amount. And he demands that. His buddy is, is thrown into prison, he and his family, until he can somehow repay this, this debt that's owed. Rather than extending mercy, he demands payment. I know you would never do that. But that's what happens in this story. And oftentimes, that's exactly what we do. We're those who been the beneficiaries of receiving such rich mercy. Yet oftentimes, we're the ones who's demanding payment. 
from others. The Jesus parable drives home the point that, that when it comes to forgiveness, what's been done for us must be done by us. What's been done for us must be done by us. It must be lived out. So the fact is, is that we have a bigger debt before God than anyone else has before us. Jesus' story makes it clear that remembering the size of our debt that's been forgiven creates the power to forgive others. Not just three times, not seven times, but countless times. As those who've been radically forgiven, here's the deal. We're charged to live out radical forgiveness. As those who've been recipients of great mercy, we're called to live out great mercy. If we don't, then this is what happens. We find ourselves in trouble. And that's how the story ends. That's how this parable ends. This servant who's been forgiven much yet refuses to forgive his buddy finds himself in a place of of bondage. Like he had been forgiven this ginormous debt, but he, he refused to live that out in his relationship with his buddy. He, he refused to give that same forgiveness. And as a result, he was in bondage. He was robbed of his future. And I think this is a huge lesson for us today. This is a huge takeaway from this story. And when we choose not to forgive, the personal punishment we inflict on ourselves is greater than the punishment we, in, we attempt to inflict on the offender. See, the refusal to forgive is a toxic memory that endlessly pulls the painful past into the present. The toxic memory of the unforgiven past poisons the present. And this is what it does. It contaminates the future. Listen, there's no future without forgiveness. We find ourselves enslaved and bondage. We find ourselves going through life carrying this excess baggage because we're not willing to let go of the injury, the hurt. So here's the critical question for you this morning. Are you going to hold on to the injury and demand payment? Or are you going to give mercy and forgiveness just as you've received mercy and forgiveness? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, interesting passage of Scripture, it reads like this. Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Notice this last phrase, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive how? As the Lord has forgiven you. I've referenced this before. But every time I read this verse of Scripture, it forces me to ask this question, how has the Lord forgiven me? Because the Scripture says that's the same way I'm to forgive others. Let me give you three words that explains exactly how God's forgiven you. Unconditionally, completely, continually. Unconditionally, and that you didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to come begging for it. You didn't work to get it. It it was not based on some conditions. When you ask, the Father gave. Unconditional. Not only unconditional, but completely. 
when you came seeking mercy, when you came seeking forgiveness, God didn't say, I can take care of those 272 times, but that 273, woo, that's a big one. Got to get some help on that. No, completely. All of it. All of it was forgiven. Not just completely. Here's the good news. Continually. Let me tell you why that's good news. Because if you haven't noticed, we have this tendency to mess up. We have this tendency to not only injure others, but to get injured. And God's mercy to us is is continual. I love this scripture. Lamentations, I believe it's 322, says this, that God's mercies are new to us every morning. Is that not good news? That shouldn't make you shout hallelujah. What every morning? His mercies are new. Continual. Forgive as the Lord's forgiven you. If not, you'll find yourself like the servant who was forgiven like this $7 billion debt, yet found himself in bondage, found himself imprisoned. Because that's what, that's what happens, friend, when you choose to hold on to the injury or you choose to hold on to the hurt. What happens is this, you put yourself in prison. Not only do you have the injury, but now you have the pain created because you're choosing to hold on to the injury. So it's like you get, you get double hurt. What's the right response? The right response is to give grace as you've received grace, to give mercy as you've received mercy, to give forgiveness as you've received forgiveness. And in that, here's the good news, is you can not only be free but live free without the excess baggage. Let me go back to what I said a little earlier. Every time you're hurt, injured, wrong, taken advantage of, you have a choice to make in your marriage, in your workplace, in your family, in life. You have a choice to make. And the choice is, am I going to hold on to it or am I going to let it go? Am I going to give mercy or am I going to withhold mercy? I challenge you today. To let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today that your mercies are new to us every morning. Wow. That's such good news. God, I thank you that you have totally forgiven us. Lord, we're like we're like this servant who owed like this unpayable debt. God, that's us. There's no way we could ever repay that. There's no way we could earn ourselves into that place of being right. So what, you just gave us what we didn't deserve. You like wiped the slate clean. For that we're grateful. And Lord, now I pray that you would help us live that mercy out. Holy Spirit. Every day. May we be reminded of this parable, this story. And as we've been the recipients of amazing mercy, may we be those who give amazing mercy. As we've been radically forgiven, Holy Spirit, help us to be radical forgivers. 
to go through life with short accounts, to go through life without carrying excess baggage. Lord, help us to be those who don't internalize, but we just choose to let it go. May we be those who realize that life is too short to carry a bunch of excess baggage. As every bow, every head is bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think about just for a moment, is there anything that you need to let go of? Because again, this story is about you. It's about me. Not just some nice story Jesus told. No, he's, he's talking about your life. Is there something that you need to let go of? Maybe a hurt, an injury. Maybe you're even this morning thinking about, Pastor, it wasn't fair, it's not right, it should have never happened. Listen, I've heard the stories. I know it wasn't fair. I, I know it wasn't right. I know it should have never happened. I understand all of that. And this is what I know. You can't go back and undo what's been done. But you can today, today you can make the decision to say, I'm no longer going to allow that to hold me captive. I'm no longer going to allow that past issue to create bondage in my life. Today I'm choosing to let it go. Today I'm choosing to forgive that individual for that abuse, for that injury, for that statement, for that action. God, we thank you for your mercy that so radically transformed our lives. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray every day, help us live it out. Help us walk it out. Or what I'm convinced is there's a world that we're doing life in that's desperate to know about this kind of grace and this kind of mercy. May we model it well. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.